0: I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old Watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. Today I'm going to talk about some aspects of marriage. That's a biblical perspective of marriage between one man and one woman. I'm not interested at all about discussing or hearing any other perspectives on marriage. As an ordained minister of the gospel, I'm called upon occasionally to perform a wedding ceremony. That's well and good. I don't mind doing that. However, when called upon to officiate a wedding, I ask for any fees up front, non-refundable of course, and I demand that the couple wishing to get married fulfill some parameters. One is that the couple, as I've mentioned, be one man and one woman. The next thing is that we, the couple and I, are going to sit down and discuss marriage for about four hours, minimum. Now, if a couple can get past the fees that I require, then we sit down for a long discussion. What's that? Why do I charge a fee? Well, the first thing is that if a couple is willing to put forth a fee, then I know that they're somewhat serious about getting married. Secondly, my time is as valuable as anyone else's. And that fee not only covers the officiating of the wedding and travel, but four hours of my time to counsel with them. However, it is often that when I reveal that I require a fee and four hours minimum of counseling, most couples decide to find someone else to officiate their wedding. That's fine with me. I'm not in the business of officiating weddings. I've been offered the opportunity to be in the wedding officiating business by those in the wedding business in at least one national magazine. Sorry, but I'm not interested. I'm not a hired gun whose signature legitimizes a legal contract so that businesses that cater to the wedding industry can make vast sums of money. I'm interested in seeing lasting relationships and a solid nuclear family foundation. So what do we talk about? I spend about a half hour or so getting to know the couple and letting them get to know me, just to put them at ease. I want them to relax because I'm going to be asking some questions and I want honest answers. Then I'll pop a question. I'll ask the groom and the bride-to-be, tell me, what is marriage? In each other's presence, I'll usually get some flowery, sappy, love-stricken language about living happily ever after, and that's fine and dandy. Then I drop the bomb. I lean forward over my desk and motion for them to lean in, and I'll tell them, I don't care what you think marriage is. I'm going to tell you what God said marriage is. It's usually about that time that they turn pale and a look of sheer terror and horror falls upon their countenances. You see, too many in our society today laugh at the concept of marriage. Too many want to go out and play and too few want to make a lifelong commitment. They want to play and make up the rules of the game as they go along. That, or they either look at marriage as a contract between a man and a woman. In society, that's what marriage is, a contract. When they don't like the terms of the contract anymore, they dissolve the contract and move on. It's a contract with the state. Each person signs the contract. The officiant, the bride, and the groom. However, when the bride and groom go to dissolve the contract, The officiant is left out altogether. He has no say in the matter. Yet without his signature, the couple are not legally married in the first place. From a purely contractual standpoint, that's crazy. I guess it lets the officiant off the hook without any liability. Or does it? You see, that's why I demand a minimum of four hours counseling. I don't care what they think marriage is. I want them to know and understand biblically what marriage is. Marriage is not a contract between a man and a woman with the state in which they reside. Marriage is a covenant between a man, a woman, and God. You know I had the favor of God on my life when I married a little Swedish woman. She's quite the remarkable specimen of femininity. She's beautiful in her appearance, her mind, and in her spirit that's a rare commodity many women today realize that they are somewhat beautiful in appearance and they start thinking they're all that in a bag of chips not so with my little Swede but most of all she is beautiful in her love for me and the family she loves to an extent that is sometimes her undoing but she keeps on loving anyway certainly she could have done better than me I don't know if I'm blessed to have her or she's cursed to have me maybe it's a little bit of both but I've come to love her more each day and at times I have learned to have revered sense of respect for her she's a godly woman and I believe God sent her to me to save me from myself however she does have a slightly mischievous side to her over the years I have learned to pay very close attention when I hear five little words mentioned in the following sequence, you know, I've been thinking. And when I hear those words, I cringe on the inside because I'm about to do a lot of work, spend a good chunk of money or both. Usually it's both case in point. When we purchased our home, we had a second story deck that was small and somewhat unstable. You could feel the platform moving around when you walked out on that thing. The stairs leading from the deck down to the lawn was just as unstable. It was a risky proposition to go out on the deck and enjoy the outdoors, but we tolerated it for the first several years. Then came a day I decided I wanted a smoker to barbecue meats on. Not just any smoker, mind you. No, this smoker was big, it was beautiful, and it was very expensive. My little Swedish woman, completely out of character, set her foot down and said, No, we don't need a smoker. We need a storage shed. And this perplexed me somewhat, for as I've said, it was out of character on her part. I told her I did not see why we needed a storage shed. She Miller took my hand and led me through the house, pointing out many things that we had not used or did not get used on a daily basis or monthly basis. I had to bend to her assessment. Perhaps we did need a storage shed. However, not everything was lost. It was then that I was introduced to the way that a wise woman truly thinks. It was also the day that I began learning how diabolical and conniving the fairer sex can be. You know, I've been thinking, she said. If you were to settle for a smaller smoker that not so big and not quite so fancy, we could get a smoker and a storage shed. Now, I had to admit that what she proposed made sense. So, we went to the storage shed getting place and ordered a storage shed for her, and it was delivered on Saturday just before Mother's Day. The delivery driver did not get out of the driveway before she was hanging curtains on the windows. As she did so, I went into the interweb and began scouting for a smaller, more reasonable, practical smoker. The week after Mother's Day and the delivery of her shed, we went to church, and I had a deacon's meeting after the church. She told me she'd just go and meander around the stores until time to pick me up after the meeting, and I agreed to that. So I went to the meeting, and she went meandering. When I concluded my meeting, I found her out in the parking lot. When I got to the truck, I noticed that the bed of the truck was filled with tools. There was an air compressor, air hose, nail gun, circular saw chop saw, measuring instruments, and a host of other tools. better bed of that pickup was truck was overflowing with tools. So I asked her as I got into the passenger seat, what's all that? She said, those are your Father's Day's gifts, as she pulled out onto the highway. And I quickly pointed out that it was not yet Father's Day. She replied, no, it's not. But by the time you tear down that old raggedy deck at the house and get ready to build a new one, it will be. I was really too shocked to say anything else as we drove home. Again, here she was acting completely out of character. But by the time we'd reached home, I'd put some pieces of the puzzle together. You see, she didn't really want a storage shed. She wanted a new deck. I knew I wasn't going to build a new deck, because i didn't have the tools to build a new deck with she had reasoned that we actually needed a storage shed to store the tools in that i needed to tear down the old deck and build a new one as diabolical and cunning as it was it was a very simple plan and i never saw it coming i decided that i was going to have to begin paying closer attention I spent the next four or five weeks tearing down the old deck and building a deck that was larger, some 16 feet long by 16 feet wide. Not huge by any means, but a respectable size, I suppose. As I'm driving the last screw into the decking on that deck, I hear the words, You know, I've been thinking. Red flags started waving and alarms began going off inside my head but I was not as yet experienced enough to discern the approaching danger. She said, I think we need to come out another eight feet and build another smaller deck about two steps below this one. You can put your smoker and grill on this level, and we'll have that room up there for entertaining on the main deck. I finished driving the last screw of the decking and laid the drill down. It kind of made sense, and after all, she had mentioned a smoker and a grill. I said, okay, I'll figure the material and cost, and we can order the materials. She said, oh, that's all right. It's only half as big as the main deck, so I ordered half of everything. The materials will be here within an hour. Hour and a half later, I began building the extended deck. During that hour and a half, I replayed the conversation and chain of events over again and again in my mind. It was during that time that I finally identified the, you know, I've been thinking cue. Now, some may say all that was diabolically planned and connived on her part, and it may have been. But know this. I love that little Swedish woman. When she had a knee replacement that went south, I slept on the sofa next to her as she slept in the recliner for a year and a half. I did that then, and I'll do it again. But know this as well. I have no doubt that she loves me. In 2005, a disc collapsed in my neck and a neurosurgeon fused C6 and C7 together, not to mention installing a metal plate and four screws in my neck to hold my head up. She stood by me. In May of 2016, I had total knee replacement. She drove me to therapy every day. In August 2016, I threw a blood clot in my heart caught it, resulting in triple bypass surgery. She never left my side. She never complained. Not once. To say that all those things had disastrous effect on our finances would be putting it rather mildly. But she didn't flinch. During the darkest hours of my darkest day, she didn't even blink. Those were our darkest days. We're a team, and we had to lean on each other. So where am I going with all this? Well, it's simple. When a man and a woman get married, words like I, me, mine go out the window. Instead, the words we, us, and ours come to the forefront, or they should. If a couple aren't willing to make that kind of sacrifice, then they have no business getting married. Another thing is this. When Cheryl and I first met, the first thing that we agreed on that it was okay to disagree. We had both previously felt the heartache of divorce and neither of us wanted to experience that ever again. Simply because we disagreed on something did not mean that we hated each other, very much unlike the society in which we live today. If we ever disagreed on something, each person would present their thoughts and their feelings without interruptions. It is a matter of mutual respect and courtesy. That doesn't necessarily mean that we agree afterwards either. It means that we extend courtesy and respect towards each other to hear each other out. We may still disagree. However, having heard each other, we can work together towards a solution that is not necessarily best for the one, but what is best for the whole. Two heads are better than one, don't ever doubt it. Certainly, there are more advantages than disadvantages. So what are the disadvantages? Well, I'm glad you asked. The disadvantage comes to the forefront in the situation that I mentioned before that has not been heeded. When one party or the other or both get hung up on me, mine, or I, those words get in the way of we, us, and ours. In other words, there are some selfish motives involved. The home and the household come first. Do not allow your I want and I need to be confused. In most instances, what I want is the farthest thing away from what I need can be. There are a lot of things that I'd like to have. There are things that Cheryl would like to have. There are a lot of things that I'd like for Cheryl to have, and there are many things that she would like for me to have. We don't splurge on each other very often. Most times, we sacrifice for the needs of the home. Last August, Cheryl bought a truck for me. Imagine that. Bought me a truck for her birthday. Imagine that. Did I need a new truck? No. I was driving a 13-year-old SUV without air conditioning. I was happy with that. But Cheryl bit the bullet and purchased a truck because it was a good deal and she felt bad that I'd driven a vehicle for six years without air conditioning but I love her for wanting something better for me. Now, Cheryl is a computer programmer. She is perhaps the smartest, most brilliant woman that I've ever met when it comes to computers. Her system at one time was waning and becoming difficult to maintain. The hard drive was acting very weird. She spends a lot of time hammering on keyboards to make computers do all the things that computers do so I had her spec out a monster computer for our home office that any gamer would salivate over. And we had it built and shipped. She loves it. Better yet, she loves me all the more for wanting better for her. Now, we don't do things like that very often. Most often, we get something for the both of us. Rather, do we splurge on each other, and the instance that we splurge on ourselves is exceedingly rare. There are no purchases made over $300 without we consult each other first, period, the end. It's not even considered. Now I want to address the men for a moment. Gentlemen, God did not give you a wife, nor should you have taken a wife, that she would be beneath your thumb or underneath your feet. She is to be by your side, under your arm, under your protection. Biblically speaking, You are the head of your household and your family. Learn to lead rightly in righteousness and love. Never rule your house or your family out of fear. Rule your house and family with love. Sometimes an immovable position is warranted and not appreciated, but it should be an immovable position that is just and biblical. Proverbs eighteen twenty-two: He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtain favor from the Lord. Huh. Proverbs 31, verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Now, that doesn't sound to me as if a wife is someone you should boss and or kick around. However, ladies, it says an excellent wife who can find. Be more precious than jewels. So, ladies, I'll not leave you out. Ephesians 5, 21 through 28 reads, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, I've seen a lot of wives. They're evidently not submitting too much to the Lord because they don't submit anything to their husbands. I'll read that again. Wives. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Listen to that. Now as church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So the wife is to submit to the husband, but the husband is to care for the wife at all costs some husbands not do that it goes on to say that in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself that's Ephesians 5 21 through 28 now that's really kind of for the husband but wife you get the idea but before I go I'd like to share with you some things about what love is and what love is not let's go to first corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8 and it reads love is patient love is kind and not jealous love does not brag and is not arrogant does not act unbecomingly it does not seek its own it is not provoked does not take into account wrongs that are suffered does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, love endures all things, love never fails. Let's look at that a little more closely. This passage tells us what love is and does. Consequently, it tells us what love is not and does not do. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love rejoices in truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love endures all things. If love is not or does not do those things, then it is not love. This is what God says love is. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. Love cannot be provoked. Love holds no account of wrongs suffered. Boy, that's a big one. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not seek its own way. And love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. These are the ways in which man and woman have perverted love. Love never fails. That is, if it is truly love. Now, all that's pretty self-explanatory and should serve as a compass to any couple contemplating getting married or those who are married and have hit a rough spot that seems unnavigable. That's about all I have to say on that. I am the old watchman Ezekiel. Now you know. You have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you liked content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing, nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.